Turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. That's right in the front of your Bible there, your Old Testament. We don't get there a lot, but you get past 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings. You get to the Chronicles there. I'm sure that many of you have heard some teaching on the individual that's mentioned here. I'm going to speak this morning. The title of the message is The Joy of Jabez. The joy of Jabez, the joy that he had in seeing his prayers answered. And I'm sure many of you have heard some teaching on Jabez. You've, I, I have taught uh, some lessons on it uh, back in 2018 uh, here at the church. Uh, some of you maybe have even read the book uh, by Bruce Wilkerson entitled uh, The Prayer of Jabez. It was published, I think, in 2000. Uh, back then, for about uh, two or three years... Uh, maybe five years, there was kind of a big hubbub about this new uh, prayer, uh, this new uh, way of looking at prayer. And, and there was a lot of, in Christendom as a whole, I don't know if you remember or around during that time, but everybody was talking about the prayer of Jabez and his transformative thoughts that were, were being presented. Uh, but Sp- Spurgeon preached on, pray, uh, on the prayer of Jabez in 1871. Uh, so there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, the, the word of God has uh, been here and uh, there is nothing new, uh, although there's nothing new and it may be this morning some, some truths that you might have heard somewhere in the past. I want you to know there's some present who have not heard it, uh, but also I want you to know uh, this morning that the riches of the scripture are never exhausted. The truth of the scripture and its application to our lives can be given to us afresh and new through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we go through our lives and we are in different places or experiencing different things, the same thoughts that uh, impacted our heart as a young college student in one way, they impact us in a completely different way as a middle-aged man with five kids. The burdens on your heart and the thoughts that consume your mind are are completely different. And so what the Holy Spirit uses to teach you different stages of your life are completely different. I just want to encourage you this morning that you can and I hope are fed from the Word of God today. We've had a wonderful time in the Lord's house this morning thus far. Christina, good to see you and your kids. Corwin, good to have you back. Good to stop in to visit when you can. I appreciate that. We're all here for, to hear from God. We've gathered together, and man, the, the, the message and song this morning has been powerful. After a couple of those songs, I felt like we should have an invitation right then. I just said, man, this is just good. I mean, just hearing that message and each song really supported or tied in with the last or the other ones. And those things are not by accident. Some thought and preparation has gone in to prepare a service. And we use a song service to draw our hearts and minds into communion with God, to a place where we're ready to hear God's word taught. It takes a few minutes to kind of shed a little bit of the weight of the world and the busyness of society and all the stuff we've got going on. And 
to get past those things so that God can narrow in and speak to us. I hope this morning the word of God will come alive for you. I hope that you're challenged in this matter of prayer today and reminded of the possibilities because of the God we serve. I hope we can see this. Would you join me in prayer as we ask God to bless the thought this morning of the joy of Jabez. Lord, we come to you today and we ask you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we open the pages of Scripture and I do my best to expound and share the truths that, Lord, we've read and we've heard and we've contemplated or considered in the past, but Lord, I pray that they would come alive in a fresh new way, that you would do what only you can do and speak to the hearts of each and every individual present. God, we thank you so much for the song service and how you've challenged us already, how you've spoken to us and fed us through the the truth of the scripture that was shared in song. We look to you now, and Lord, on my best day, I'm an unworthy vessel. But we know that on our worst, that your word is always worthy, and it's quick, and it's powerful. And we ask you, God, that you would take your word this morning, that you would feed the hearts of your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I would like you to see, first of all, his person. Who is this man, Jabez? Jabez was a more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called him his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. Jabez had a problem, you see. Jabez here mentioned in the middle of these genealogies, when you're reading through the Chronicles as you're trying to read the entirety of the Scriptures, and I think it's a great challenge for any Christian to say, you know what, I want to read the whole Bible. I want to read it from front to back, and that's a, a, a worthy ambition. I think every Christian ought to read every word of God that he's given to us. And, but, you know, there's sometimes, especially in the Chronicles, it can get pretty hard. You can get bogged down in all those names, the, the begat so-and-so and so-and-so, begat so-and-so, and you can't even pronounce them, even though you're looking at them. Your Bible says it's phonetical spelling right there, and you still can't pronounce it. And, uh, you know, you're like, I don't know, so-and-so begat and so-and-so begat and you're just skimming through trying to get to something that's meaningful. Well, right in the middle of all that, we see this man Jabez. He's mentioned here in the genealogies of the family of Judah. But his problem was that his mother let him know right off the bat she was Jabez means son of my sorrow. She says, I bore him with sorrow. Well, you talk about telling your child he was a mistake. I bore him in sorrow. I bore him in pain. I bore him in suffering. This was, this was a challenge, maybe something that she wasn't ready for. Or maybe she wasn't prepared to have a child or whatever it might be, but she said it was heavy. It was hard. And, and you talk about starting from behind, uh, you know, looking at having to climb uphill the whole way. Most people would look at their life in a situation like this and they'd feel like they were, they were behind before they even started. Like I've got something against me before I even began. My own mother said, I was born in sorrow. Can I tell you this morning? There's too many people living today and blaming their current situations and their, their, their tomorrows on bygone days. They're living and looking at their current life and looking at what's going to happen tomorrow. And they want to blame all of that on something that happened many, many years ago. 
on their, oh, I grew up in this type of home, or I, I had a broken home, or I had a father that didn't tell me he loved me enough, or I had a, a job that, got, that the boss was unfair, and I had this, and I had that, and I had that. Could I tell you this morning that your yesterday doesn't have to define your tomorrow? What, what we were yesterday because of the power of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in yesterday. We don't have to let what happened to you. And I'm not belittling or, or degrading or saying that the pain or suffering you might have gone through is not real. But I want you to know you don't have to let that define who you are today. Stop buying into that philosophy of the world that you have an excuse because something happened to you 20 years ago. You don't have an excuse. You're making a choice right now to do or be what you want to do or be. And in and through the power of God, you can be what God wants you to be. Don't let Satan convince you that it's impossible, that you can't do it. You can. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. It's nothing that we do in and of ourselves anyway. It's God and his power and his strength. And just because something in my life or my situation, and I know you, some of you have been through some amazing challenges and the struggles that you've endured, and, and they do impact your life. But I want you to know that with God, you can overcome that. I'm so challenged by Paul's statement in that passage, but the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. What an amazing thought that the, the, the love of God and the grace of God could be bestowed on us and that it could be in vain. Paul said it wasn't in vain. God saved my soul. God changed me. God's grace is working in my life. And he says, it, God did all that for me and he, it wasn't in vain. He said, I labor more abundantly. He says, I'm, I'm doing everything I can for the cause of Christ. I'm doing all I can to make a difference in this world before my time is done. The grace that God gave to me was not given in vain. And I wonder sometimes in my life, has what God done for me been in vain? God's rich blessings on my life been in vain? He's bestowed so much upon me and blessed me beyond measure. And I have no excuse for any reason to, to fail or to let him down. And, and God has been so good to me. And has that grace and goodness been in vain? Oh, I hope not. And I strive and want to strive to live up to what God is and what he means to me. He had a problem. We see his position. He was more honorable than his brethren. This is not what he said about himself. This is what God said about him. It wasn't the, the boys arguing and one boy saying, well, no, I'm, you know I'm better than you. You know I'm faster than you. No, God said he was more honorable than his brethren. It means he was more worthy of honor than his brethren were. You know, we know somebody else like that in the Bible. His name's Joseph. You think about Joseph, somebody who's, we know a little bit more of his story. We don't know much about Jabez. We only have this verse here about him, but we know a lot about Joseph. And I think we could look at that and say he was more honorable than his brethren. That, that testimony that he had over and over again, he didn't let his past define him. He didn't let the struggles and, and, and the betrayal of his brothers define him. 
He didn't let the the fact that he was uh, abused and forgotten and put into slavery and then put into prison define him. He continued to do right in each situation that he was in. He was more honorable. Boy, we should be more honorable. We should be more honorable. He wasn't more honorable because he had a position in society. He wasn't more honorable because... People recognized him. He was more honorable because he had godly character that defined him. Because he made a decision that dictated his actions and controlled his spirit. This is what we're talking about in Sunday school. Just concluded the lesson on overcoming the flesh. Being living by godly character instead of our emotions. He, Jabez just decided he was going to do right. That he was going to say no when he was tempted. When others tried to pull him away. When sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You don't have to do it just because somebody else did. Amen, boys. Young ladies. You don't have to do it just because somebody else is. In the wickedness of our society today, young, young men are mocked and laughed at and made fun of if they're pure. They're, 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 they're like something's wrong with them because they haven't been with a woman yet. You're twice the man they are. You're twice the man they are. It takes a whole lot more strength and power to say no to this old flesh than it does to give into it. 10,000 men will give into it and fall and fail. And if you, through the power of God, can make it to the marriage altar clean, you'll honor your mom and dad and you'll honor God. You don't have to do it just because everybody else is doing it. Bible says, whatever therefore you eat or drink and whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. We see his performance. Beloved, he was not remembered because he was a prophet or a king. He was not remembered or recorded in the pages of scripture here because of his great battle plan or his business prowess. God put him down in the pages of scripture here and what he told us about him is that he was a prayer warrior. That he knew how to pray. And God was pleased with this prayer. And so his prayer is something that we can learn from. I want you to see that here. Not only his person, who he was, but his prayer. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Verse number 10. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. We see here his prayer, and I would encourage you to make it part of your daily prayer time, part of your private devotions at least one day a week or a couple days a week to add this to what you're praying for. Pray and say, God, bless me indeed. God, enlarge my coast. God, would your hand be with me? Lord, please, wouldst thou keep me from evil? Pray for these things. 
We see, first of all, that prayer to be blessed. To be blessed is to be pronounced or a wish of happiness. You know, to be blessed is to be happy. Boy, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be happy. God is, God is, is, is not this, this image of somebody up in heaven just waiting for the opportunity to beat you over the head. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you, and he desires to bless you. It is God's nature to bless his people. He wants you to ask him for it. It's not selfish or sinful to seek for God's blessing on your life. When you yield and submit to him and say, God, whatever, whatever your desire is, Lord, we, we want to be blessed by you. We want to be blessed by you. Oh, what a privilege to have the blessings of God on our life. To ask God and in his infinite wisdom to pour out his bountiful blessings on us. And many times in your life, you will stand back and sit in awe at how much God blesses you. He is so good. He is so good. God blesses us over and over. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Are you asking for God's blessings? We remember the story of Jacob wrestling with God. He's, he's praying. He's, he's down, he's wrestling with God. He said, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. He said, God, I, I need your blessing on my life. I need you to do in your infinite wisdom. I need you to bless me how you see fit, whatever that is, Lord. But I, I need you to bless me. I don't want to live my life without your hand of blessing on me. Are you praying for God's blessing? Boy, God's blessing goes so far beyond any monetary value. There's so many things about the blessings of God on your life. There's joy. There's happiness. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's, there's, there's health benefits. There's a God blessing you and, and protection day by day. God blessing you, meeting, meeting some needs that you have. God blessing you with great friends that you get to fellowship with. And God blessing you with a church family that, that loves you and, and holds you up in prayer and is walking down this Christian life with you. God, I mean, I could not, I, we, could, we could go the rest of today just talking about ways that God has blessed the people in this room. And never mention money. God's blessings are so far beyond that. Are you asking for God's blessing this morning? Then he prayed and he asked that God would enlarge his coast. This is kind of a different statement to enlarge my coast. Did he have a lot of land or a region that he was over or something? What, what does he mean, enlarge my coast? The idea here, beloved, is that that the words, when you, when you look these up in the Hebrew, it says coast is a cord. It's a boundary. It's an edge. Enlarge obviously means to encroach, increase. What he's saying is, Lord, would you increase my area of influence? Enlarge my coast, Lord. Right now, I know five people in the world. And Lord, if, you, if you'll allow me to, to know one more, I'll tell them about you. Amen. Lord, if you'll enlarge my area of influence, if you'll give me a, a, a means of, of meeting or, or impacting or knowing a few other people, I'll point them to you. 
I'll, bring, I'll do all I can to bring honor and glory to you, and I'll, I'll point them to you, Lord, would you enlarge my coast? Each of us have an area of influence. You have your immediate family. You have a few neighbors that you might interact with and talk to on occasion. You have somebody you might see at the bank. That's your area of influence, the people that you interact with. And he's saying, Lord, would you give me a little bit greater area of influence? Would you allow me to impact? I only got so many years here on this earth, and I want to make as big a difference as I can. Would you increase my influence, Lord? God increases your area of influence when he gives you opportunity to come up and sing a special for church and sing about the difference the grace of God has made in your life. God increases your area of influence when you participate in singing in the choir or working in a Sunday school class or come and serve in vacation Bible school. Now all of a sudden you're influencing all these kids. Now all of a sudden you're, you're influencing the adults that are, in, that are participating in that as well. Your, your area of influence is growing. And he said, Lord, would you increase my area of influence? There's Bible examples that we see. I think about Elisha who wanted a double portion. He said, God, you did so much with Elijah. Boy, I sure would love a double portion. He's saying, would you enlarge my coast? Would you allow me to do more for you? Beloved, don't look at yourself or your own ability. Look at God. And his ability. When we look at my abilities and my opportunities, that's the boundary I have. But when I'm willing to let God, then my coast is enlarged. And then he prays and he says that thy hand might be with me. Boy, if God was going to answer these first two prayers, it puts us in a much greater place to need God's hand, to need him with us. My kids have all grown beyond the place where they need dad's hand. Have you grown beyond the place you need the Heavenly Father's hand? I mean, those little kids, you know, they're real little. and Boy, they want dad or mom's hand. They want to hold on. They want, they want dad right there. They want to be close. They start growing. They start getting a little more independent. They start thinking, well, they're going to skip away and they're going to, you know, go, go off on their own, run down the toy aisle at Walmart or Toys R Us. They're going to go, oh, go check this out. They can do it all by themselves. But, you know, when they're real little, they keep looking back. To, they want to go on their own, but they want to make sure you're still there, right? I, I don't know. Maybe you parents aren't like me, but when they get like that, I'll, I'll tuck around the corner. I'm around the other shelf. They took off on their own, so I'm, I'm around the other shelf. And then they're looking, and they're like, oh, no, Daddy's gone. Have you ever found yourself like that with the Father? We don't want to get too far from him. We need his hand with us. We need his hand. The hand of God is not shortened that it cannot help. God's hand, we need his hand. The idea of God's hand being with us is that it brings dependence upon him. 
You see, my child wanted his independence from me and wanted to go on his own. He didn't need daddy's hand anymore. I'm, I'm fine by myself, but we should never reach that place as Christians where we feel like we're fine without God. We need to pray and ask God, Lord, would your hand be with me? Would your hand of protection be there? Would your hand of provision be there? God, would your hand of power be there? Enable me to do the work that you've called me to do. God, I need your hand on me. Have you ever attempted to do something for the very first time and felt wholly inadequate? That great sense of need that fell upon your heart at that moment? It's a sense that we should feel all the time for God's presence and power in our lives. That sense of need, that that looking for the hand of God, not only does it bring dependence on him, but it brings delight to him. One of the hard things as a parent, you know, we talked about this uh, on Father's Day, is is being a father instead of being a daddy. Uh, And you mamas, you got a job too. Mamas can get away with a little bit more compassion and, you know, boy, don't you love it when the kids just run up and throw their arms around you? Like, man, that just feels so good. They just want to be with you. And one of the problems is, mama, is that when the boy needs to man up and stop crying, but you like it when he needs you. You like it when he throws his arms around you and hugs you and mommy, mommy, mommy. And so you let him cry like a little two-year-old when he's five. Okay, now you need to, when he comes running to you like that, you need to say, hey, stop your crying. But here's the illustration. So that was free too. Here's the illustration. It brings delight to your heart, right? When your son needs you like that, when your daughter comes and just wants to be with you, when they look for your hand, when they want to be close to you. You know, I'm at the point where my kids don't need me at all. I'm actually at the point where my kids probably don't even want to be in the same room with me. You know, they're teenagers, right? You know? And, and as a daddy, I come into the room. They've been sitting in the living room for 45 minutes playing on their phone. I come into the room and sit in the chair next to them. I didn't ask anything. I just want to be with them. And for some reason, they've got to get up and go in the other room now. <laughs> I'm like, what? You've been sitting in the living room for 45 minutes, and now because I'm here, you've got to go somewhere? That hurts me. I do have feelings. I know you don't think so, but I do. <laughs> Can I tell you, it brings delight to the Father when we long to be in his presence. When we're not, we're not looking for anything, we just want to spend time with him. We're just saying, Lord, boy, would your hand be with me? Put your hand in mine. Just be with me, God. I just want to know you. I just want to understand you. I just want to honor you. I just want to be there. It does something to the Father to just say, hey, I just want to be with you. It brings delight. Looking for his hand brings dependence. And when we have the hand of God, it brings defeat to the enemy. 
we can't, we can't do it on our own, but man, when we have the hand of the Father, we can win victoriously as Christians. We can overcome this old world and this flesh and these things we've been talking about. It's possible when you have the hand of the Father with you. Pray and ask God that your hand would be with you. First Chronicles 29, 12 says, both, on, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over them all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. In the hand of God. Just pray and ask God, Lord, would your hand be with me today? Just be with me today. And oh, how we need to pray that thou wouldest keep me from evil. Because we know that this, we're prone to wander. How we need God to keep us from evil. Not that we would have a life entirely free of trials or tests, but that we could live above sin. That we wouldn't grieve the heart of the Father. We can once again look at the example of Joseph for this. He wanted to be kept from evil, amen? Potiphar's wife had evil intentions. Really, Satan wanted to destroy a young man. And he ran like the wind. Keep me from evil. Last week in our family devotions, one night, Tim was sharing a story about a nursing home. He was working in a nursing home in Indiana. There was this elderly lady there that found him pretty attractive. (laughs) He's a pretty cute young guy. She actually looked at him and she says, you know, you're the kind of boy that I wouldn't mind kissing. And uh, Tim's like, "Oh, oh, okay. And then she reached and grabbed him. And she pulled him towards him. And Tim said, I fled like Joseph. <laughs> Amen. I, did, I, I lost my coat, but I didn't lose my character. Amen. <laughs> we need God to keep us from evil. We need God to do that. We live in such a wicked world. It comes to us on every hand. Boy, if we're going to live victorious, we need God to keep us from evil. Can I just say that just asking God to keep us from evil does not remove our responsibility to avoid it. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, the Bible says. You you have some wisdom. You set some boundaries. You don't make provision for the flesh. There's, There's some things that you can do. I just want you to know that, yes... We need to ask God to keep us from evil, but then we can't say, oh, well, uh, I guess God didn't keep me from this uh, when you went looking for it. Right? There's a responsibility we have to strive to avoid it. We've got to do what Jabez did and pray to be kept from evil, but we've got to do what Joseph did and run to avoid evil. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil. Feareth and departeth from evil. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Happy is the man that fear 
alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Fearing that evil. Listen, we don't want to go down that road. Lastly, this morning, I want you to see his provision. The very last phrase there in verse number 10. And God granted him that which he requested. God answered his prayer. What a joy, what a privilege to know that God answers prayer. He answers prayer because God told us to pray. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee. Christian, are you praying? Call unto me and I will answer thee. God says he would answer us. And show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. God desires to. You have not because you ask not. God takes great delight in providing for his children. Matthew 7, verse number 11 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Man, as parents, we love giving to our kids. We love providing for them. We love meeting their needs. We love seeing them uh, win at things. How much more does God love seeing his children succeed and meeting the needs of his children? Why? Because it glorifies the Father. In John 14, verses 13 and 14, he says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, I'm going to provide for you. Why? Because it glorifies the Father. I'm going to answer your prayer because it glorifies the Father. We, we've, we've got a God that answers prayer. Prayer is not only the right of the believer, it's the responsibility of the believer. We are supposed to be praying. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto you. We need to pray. Jabez's prayer is just an example of things that as God's people we should be asking for. Now, I'm not Jabez, and neither are you. But if we're willing to pray, I think God would answer those prayers for us. I think God put them in his word as an example for us. For us to learn from. Are you satisfied with how close you are to the Father? Are you satisfied with how much he's blessed you? Do you need to be, do you need to be kept from evil? I think these prayers could make a difference in our lives as Christians if we would make a habit of praying them.